A very good evening to you. I'm delighted to say we're back for another big kickoff rugby uh, podcast. And uh, tonight I've been joined by uh, two excellent people. We're going to have a look at the weekend's European action. We're going to talk Gallagher Premiership action. Uh, we're going to talk Monday's Premiership uh, final as well, Eight Nations Tournament, and a host of other things. How on earth are we going to do it in 40 minutes? I don't know, but we'll give it a damn good go. Um, Debbie Knight, Debbie, good evening to you. How are you? Yeah, I'm very good, thank you. Very good. You were on the first uh, Big Kickoff uh, Rugby podcast uh, a couple of weeks ago with uh, Conor O'Shea and John Kingston. I know how much you thoroughly enjoyed it, and I know uh, the reaction has been very good, Debbie. So we've dragged you back again tonight. So thank you very much for agreeing to come on. Thank you for having me back. Anytime. And a guy who's making his first appearance. And I'm sure hopefully we can drag him on again as well. Um, from Talking Rugby Union, it's Joe Harvey. Good evening to you, Joe. Hi, Peter. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I've got to live up to, to Connor O'Shea and John Kingston. That's uh, going to be an interesting yeah. one. Well, only the best here on the Big Kickoff Rugby podcast. Only the best. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you'll be equally as good as those two wonderful guys. Um, where do we start? Well, quite simple. I think we're going to start with... Uh, your European action over the weekend. I'm going to start the ball rolling with, where else can I start but Saracens? And Debbie, Debbie, look, you, you've you've followed Saracens, I know, for a long time. You, you know, you do reports on them. You do a huge amount of excellent rugby writing as well. As a Saracens uh, connoisseur and fan, would that rate, in your opinion, as one of the finest ever Saris European performances? You know, I think it does. I mean, I, you know, I did um, I did podcasts with two sets of Irish people last week. The Irish must be sick of the sound of my voice. <laughs> uh, and I, and actually, I I listed the team down. I got a couple of positions wrong because I didn't realise that Mako was fit. Um, but I, I, I'll never go against Saracens to lose a match like that. Um, but when you look at that unbeaten run by Leinster. Mm. Um, when you look at the fact that actually so many of our players that might well have started that game, the likes of, I mean, we need to talk about Bristol on Friday night, Ben Earl. Um, you know, the fact that he would have been in our team in April. Um, Max Maylins would have been on the bench. I was concerned about the, the, the balance on the bench between the two teams. But actually, most of our key players played the 80 minutes, didn't they, really? Yeah. Um, Alex, Alex Good likes playing at 10 in Europe and ran the show, really. You know, how that man hasn't played for England more, I will never know. Yeah, it was fantastic. He, he, he was indeed, actually. Uh, Joe, I'm sure you called up with that match. Uh, um, Leinster, to be fair to them, I, I don't think they knew what hit them, did they, early on? No, I think all the, I mean, we saw from all the Pro 14 sides throughout the weekend that there was obviously something there that, I mean, maybe Saracens, they've just had the chance to warm up in the sense that, that all the other teams haven't because that was, as, as it was in the final in Newcastle last, you know, over, over 12 months ago, it was test match intensity, mm-hmm. which is, you know, that's what it was. And it was a physical affair. And I was 
funnily enough, I was on the conference call today with, with Mark McCall and he was talking about that Mako's not played rugby for seven months. He played nearly 80 minutes at the weekend, looked annoyed at coming off the pitch. I mean, don't get me wrong, he always looks shattered after 10 minutes. But, <laughs> you know, he came back he, and then they're, they're having to assess him to see if he's all right to play uh, this weekend in at Racing. So, um, yeah, no, I thought I thought Leinster, it's difficult to know because they just maybe weren't up to snuff. And I think that's probably where it where it lied I mean maybe they'd given too much in the final the weekend before but I mean crowd or not you would have probably backed them to win at the Aviva going into it Debbie you've got to come in weren't you sorry to say something sorry uh, just wait, 10 minutes for Mako looking tired Give make it two minutes the minute <laughs> almost the minute he walks onto the pitch oh. he, yeah he looked he looked furious when he came off didn't he, he, he but yeah, did. oh, yeah. <laughs> very much so yeah it, it um Joe talks about Leinster. Yeah, you're right. I mean, as I said, I think, you know, Saracens hit them hard, didn't they? Right from the first whistle, literally. And to be fair, I mean, how many penalties did they give away at the breakdown? It, it was phenomenal, wasn't it? And in the end, I mean, that cost them, didn't it? Especially in that first half performance. And Saracen, actually, they, they played the way they play in Europe. They don't necessarily do this in the Premiership. They took points when they were available to them. And they and Leinster didn't do that, so actually that that very likely cost them too because Saracens' defence held up when they went for the corner. Um, so that was perhaps a costly way for them to be going. You know, we took our points when needed. Um, it, it it was amazing, really. I mean, I, the last the last we missed the two kicks, didn't we? In the last few minutes, I was literally perched <laughs> on the edge of my seat watching the last few moments. <laughs> but 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 for for Saracens. Every game since, since the second points deduction was given was a warm-up for Saturday. Every single game. 100%. So I think, yeah, that's something that we, that we have to bear in mind with it as well. Joe, 22-3 up at half-time. Um, I guess Mr McCall's uh, team talk was quite easy, really, wasn't it? You know, more of the same guys. But to be fair to uh, Leinster... Uh, they came back strongly, didn't they? Yeah, they did. I think any team of that quality with like the guys, like I mean, who they got on the park. I mean, they took off Devon Tone at half time, but I mean, you still got Johnny Sexton on the pitch, and obviously we all know what he's like. He's he's one of those test match animals, really, that we probably call him. Yeah, it might not be quite the the same player he was maybe even two three years ago, but when you've got a player like that in your side, you're always going to back them, and it's going to be the same this weekend when they come up against Racing because they've got Finn Russell at ten there are certain players and there are certain teams that you can always think are going to get a performance to, to win a game. Um, but I mean, the thing is, Leinster had Ireland props playing and, and they didn't really look like international props coming up against that Saracens pack. So there was, there was just some flaws in their game that ultimately resulted in them losing it, which is obviously unfortunate for them, but it's, it's massive kudos to Saracens who've put some of them boys through the ring in the last few weeks. Mm-hmm. Debbie, as a fan, you must have been pretty worried about that second half comeback, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my, the, my blood pressure wasn't so good at that during that second half, definitely. And, then, and missing those two, the missing the two kicks was you thought, oh, are we then going to lose by them? But you know, it went, when Alex scored, did Alex score the try in the second half? I can't remember now. It's all a bit of a blur. Um, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Nervous until the final whistle, really. You, you, don't, you don't ever write a team like Leinster off. I mean, I, I have to say, they probably are the first team that I supported in Europe 
my very first European final was Leinster against Ulster. They're a team that I will follow next season uh, when they're over in England. I'll go yeah. and watch them. Brilliant. There you are. Secrets of Debbie coming out now, you see. <laughs> a secret uh, Leinster secret. fan. Yeah. <laughs> Leinster admirer, shall we say. Debbie, I know when we talked last, we were talking about Owen Farrell, obviously, and it was going to be a big loss, etc. I think everybody went along with that. But you're right. I mean, excuse the pun, how good was Alex Good? I mean, you know, you mentioned it earlier, he stepped up to the plate. His kicking was outstanding. His, his all-round game, it has to be said as well, was absolutely superb, wasn't it? I, I was actually watching with two friends. And should I confess that I, I think about halfway through the first half, I said to them, Owen who? <laughs> <laughs> Which I don't really mean, but yeah, you know, that was where he started playing, Alex. Um, and I think probably Owen came to the fore. I know it's moved into the fullback. I was concerned, actually, that, that the player that we would miss would be Williams. Mm. Uh, Liam Williams, a world-class player. Um, but Elliot, that's not my favourite position for him, fullback, but I thought he played very well too. And having him for those long-range kicks, fantastic. Joe, obviously the physicality, uh, understandably, in that match was intense, uh, quite rightly so. You wouldn't expect too much else. Um, there is going to be something coming from it. Obviously, man of the match, Michael Rhodes, I thought was outstanding. Um, and I'll probably go along with him as a man of the match. I don't know. Perhaps Debbie will probably disagree with me. or what. I don't know. But there you go. I, I would have gone with Michael Rhodes, to be perfectly frank with you. I, I thought he was brilliant, actually. But there is the possibility of... A sighting? What was your thoughts on it? Well, so, I mean, from my perspective, so when I when I actually did play rugby and rather than just watching on, like that was, I, I played blindside flanker and often you're told when you're playing in that position, get up in the tens face and, and kind of make them feel sorry for being on the pitch, essentially. And, you know, he, he was just doing that. He was doing that role that you're meant to do. And it's one of those things because, as we know, if you don't play on the edge, you don't get the reward. Uh, and he's the kind of player who will do anything to win a game. Saracens have those players throughout their squad. I'm sure Johnny Sexton wouldn't have minded it if he was a blindside flanker. He would have probably done that tackle as well. Um, it was just clumsy. It was just clumsy more than anything. He got the timing slightly wrong. And he's probably going to get, what, a two, I'd probably say two, two game ban from that. He wasn't cited for the tackle, though. He hasn't what been was he cited. For? He's been cited for putting his head back into somebody in a ruck. Oh, was that what he was for? Yeah, that's what I didn't see that. Yeah. I presume no. it was for the tackle. No, he hasn't been cited for that. And so my take on that is if that was his own force. So he had his, he had his back to him. Mm. Um, I think it was, was it Henderson on the yeah. ground? And he went yeah. back, into, back into his head. Mm. I, I would say he wasn't looking at him. But if that was all his own force... Fair enough as a sighting and probably a ban. Mm. I think he'll plead not guilty because I think they've got nothing to lose by doing so. Mm. Um, and as we know from Chris Ashton, if he pleads not guilty, he, he has a bit of a record, Mike Rhodes anyway. Yeah. But pleading not guilty and being found guilty is never a good thing when it comes to a disciplinary panel. That'll, you know, he'll get no mitigation. Um, but it, you know, it's hard to say. I've only seen, I've seen it from probably two angles but you need to see it from seeing his face I've only seen it from the back of him if he's being pulled or he's being pushed that's an accident if he's gone back himself with his head that's not acceptable and that's going to be a ban and it will be longer than two weeks unfortunately 
but um, I yeah. only knew his contact with Ed. I didn't even see the other challenge to be honest. <laughs> no, no, I don't think anybody did. I mean, in, interesting that the um, it was Beth. I can't think what the other name is. Is it was a Scottish uh, sighting commissioner? I was saying before uh, speaking to Peter, I spent most of last night arguing on Facebook with fellow Saracens fans about him being sighted. You know, if someone did that to a Saracens player, I'd want them sighted. Mm, so it's the sighting's fair enough. Um, the fact that Leinster didn't make a fuss about it at the time is an interesting one. So they obviously didn't have too much of a problem with it. I mean, it, it, surely you'd put your hands up and ask them to look at that with the hope of a red card, wouldn't you? But oh, we'll see. I think it's this evening, the hearing. Yeah. Uh, uh, Debbie, you brought up a wonderful point there. Uh, spot on. I, I agree with you. I didn't see any Leinster player really make a fuss at all whatsoever. Now, if that is the case, I'm sure that will go in his favour. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, he's a, he's a he's a fantastic player. He's actually almost one of these. He's one of these sort of below the radar journeymen. I actually want to talk about South Africans later when we talk about last night's match. He's one of the journeymen South African um, that's come to Saracens. And hadn't really particularly shone before he came to us, but boy, does is he a fantastic player? He really is. I would have perhaps given one of the props man of the match myself, but there we are. I understand yeah. why Mike got it. <laughs> no, no, fair, fair comment, fair comment. Nothing wrong with having a debate about man of the matches. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Well, star man, isn't it? It's not man of the match, it's star man. Well, yeah, well, same thing, star man, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, I think Saracens, to be fair, I think everybody should be praised as man of the match because, you know, mm. from a mutual point of view, I thought they were absolutely outstanding. And, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Deb, didn't we? You know, one thing with Saracens, you, you can throw whatever you want at them. You can say whatever you want at them. You can, you know, people will have a go at them and everything, etc. And But they thrive on it, don't they? They, you know, pressure on them. It doesn't affect them, does it? They just bounce back. I think I think it's society. It's that wolf pack mentality, isn't it? You know, I think a point that Richard Wigglesworth made this week is that actually for some of them, this will be the last time that they play together. That, you know, Saturday potentially was the last time that they play together. So we haven't seen Wigglesworth much, if at all, actually, in this comeback. Um, but he'll be off. Uh, Brad Barrett will be off. You know, it was there. And they want to win for each other. You know, I, I know some, I know I saw, I, I joined an Irish rugby fans group last week, which was amazingly civilised, actually. And, um, really? <laughs> it was, they've been, they've been great, actually. You know, they have a go at each other, but they, they, they've not had a go at me at all. It's, it's been really quite nice. Uh, I've forgotten what I was going to say now about that. What was the point of that? It, it's it's a it's a will to win you know they 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 oh no that was it someone complained about the whooping that they do so if you did you see the guy on the sideline he yeah. was like his own crowd wasn't he <laughs> he but he objected to that but they're they're not they're doing that for themselves mm. no doubt they wind the others the other team up as well but it's they like each other and they want to win for each other i think that makes a difference very much so. Well, they are in the semi-final. Congratulations. Uh, they will, of course, will be playing uh, Racine, who beat uh, Claremont. Tight game, it has to be said, 36-27. Big semi-final, Joe. How do you see this one uh, panning out? It's a difficult one, considering that Racine actually didn't really look that convincing, weirdly, against Claremont. I don't know if that was just... I don't know. I don't know. I can't... You, it's difficult to know what to attribute that to, because... 
you know, there was, there was 5,000 people in the stands, but is that really enough to kind of knock a team like Racing off their stride? Probably not. Um, they suffered a couple of injuries and it just wasn't, wasn't the best performance. Maybe it's just a warm-up because obviously high-intensity matches will bring out more people. Knowing that Saracens are coming to town, that's probably quite a, an exciting prospect, to be honest. Um, I think it comes down to those, those, those kind of, those kind of um, link players like your, your Finn Russells, who can obviously create something out of nothing. That pass that he did to, to the winger, unfortunately, I think broke his leg later on in that game. Um, that, was, that, was one, that was the best pass of the weekend. And then obviously him and Simon Zebo worked so well together as well. I think it's going to be a tough game for Saris, but I think ultimately you've got to think Saris have got to win it because it's Saracens. Debbie? Well, like looking at the, I mean, they scored 36 points, mm. uh, Racing, but only two tries. So, you know, the, the key for us is let's not give them eight penalties the way that Claremont did. Mm. Um, because, I mean, Finn Russell is what a supremely talented rugby player that man is. He really is. He's, he's wonderful to watch. I mean, we, we played them, obviously, in the, um, the group rounds. And we lost, but we didn't lose heavily. And we very much had, at that time, Saracens obviously believed they still had a chance to stay in the Premiership. So at that time, it was a team preserving our bigger the bigger players for um the premiership this time it will be mostly the big boys so i think they'll find that saracen's a different prospect yeah i'm going to go with with saracen's two two for saris uh, make it three because i'm going to chip in with saris as well i'll tell you why because i think they've got the momentum they've got the belief and after last weekend, you, you, you can't, you know, you go into a semi-final, you, you've beaten Leinster on their own patch uh, as well. You've held on, you, you know, you fought for everything. So, yeah, I, I just think Saris will probably, you know, won't be a lot in it, no, but I just think Saracens will probably just about get over the line. Now, the other semi-finals, uh, well, obviously, t to lose, you would have expected them to beat Ulster, and they did. They beat them quite comfortably. 36-8. And then, of course, we had the all-English affair with Exeter and Northampton. Now, at half-time, it could have gone either way, really, because I think uh, Exeter were 14-10 up at the time. But second half, typical Chiefs, they turned it on, end up winning in the end quite, quite comfortably. Uh, Joe, what was your take on that? I thought, obviously, in the lead-up to the game, there was all this talk about Northampton with only having the one loose-head prop. Uh, the loose head prop, the 19-year-old, who was converted from the back row at, like literally a year ago, um, Manny Ibogoyen, he, he was brilliant. And I think, you know, that was a reason that Saints kind of stayed in the game for as long as they did. And I think it's the same as the Saracens thing. Eventually, you're going to come unstuck against a team that's got quality across the park. And actually, as well, that Chiefs bench did a lot to come on and unlock things as well. And they've got, I mean, they've just got such a bosh around it, really, haven't they? And, I think Saints did themselves immensely proud. I don't think anyone can deny that. I think they did brilliantly considering the week they had. And I imagine Chris Boyd was, you know, was tearing out his hair in the lead up to that game until they were told they could actually get another <laughs> loose head profit. Um, I think, yeah, I think it was just, just time as things went on. You've got a loose head prop on the bench. He doesn't know the playbook. He doesn't know the lineout calls. You, you don't want to put him on, but then you've also got a 19 year old on and it's his, fir his first time starting a game. So it was a rough one for Saints, but, Chiefs were actually ultimately as well the better side of the day. Stuart Hogg was brilliant. Yeah. Debbie, would you give Chiefs any chance at all 
against Toulouse. <laughs> I, I, well, I don't, wouldn't write any team off in a European semi-final. Um, the French are notoriously bad at travelling. Let's not forget. Um, they, they, they've got the young homegrown superstars, haven't they, again, to lose. Um, and I saw France beat England at the Stade de France whenever that was, February, was it? Um, and it was like watching France of old. You know, I, I'm an England fan, but I want France to win the Six Nations because it's just fantastic to see a strong France team. Um, they're going to they're gonna have to stop to lose playing, aren't they? Yeah. And Chiefs are fully capable of doing that. So, yeah, absolutely, I'll give them a chance. Joe, what's your uh, thoughts on that? Oh, I'm a big fan of Dupont and, and Entomac. That's kind of part of the problem you find yourself in. Um, I think, yeah, I, I probably, I'd probably have to say Chiefs. You'd, it's a difficult one. Obviously, the thing is with Toulouse as well, I think they were helped out massively by injuries at the weekend. Mm. Billy Burns having to come off in the first like 20 minutes is, oh. is not, not going to help an Ulster team that, that didn't have, you know, didn't really have a, an out-and-out fly-half on the bench or available to them. So you probably would, I think it has to be Chiefs. I think we're going to get a nice little old English final in the, in the, in the Champions Cup, which is going to be, that's going to be a fun weekend for, for, for all this English press. <laughs> yeah, it would be, wouldn't it? <laughs> mm. And nobody there to watch it, but, but we'll come on to that a bit later. Yeah. Actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. That's the wrap-up of the European uh, Champions Cup. Now, last night, of course, we had uh, the uh, Premiership final up at Sale. Harley Quinns were involved. Um, I wouldn't like to be in Harley Quinn's uh, dressing room after Paul Gustard yesterday, because to be honest with you, Joe, I don't know what your take on it was. Um, mine would have been Harley Quinn's had that game virtually wrapped up, but in discipline, cost them at the end, in vital moments for that last 10 minutes or so. Although you have to, to be fair, you, you know, you've got to praise Fafta Clerk, who was absolutely superb at the end, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. I mean, the thing is, funny you mentioned that. So Steve Diamond last week in the lead up to the game, he described Will Cliff as like a kind of a, a Ford Escort and he described <laughs> Faf as a, as a Ferrari. So that's what he got. In the first half, he got a nice bit of kind of, Heave ho, just kind of got on with it, got a few points in the bag, and then just went on and went on. You bring on Faf at the end of it, it's going to be a race for everyone trying to catch him because they play off nine so much when he's on the pitch. Mm. Uh, in terms of ill discipline for Quinns, the one that comes to me is, is the Will Evans um, kind of through the gate and that penalty. That was obviously one of those, it's like so 50 50. Um, you can understand why it was given, you're kind of frustrated that it was given at the same time. That was probably the the ultimate thing for me and you don't want in any sport you don't want the referee being the person you're talking about when the result goes one way or the other but you, you could you could see Quinn's getting you know the turnover there. Mm -hmm. Debbie? Um, the commentators agreed with you on that didn't they they felt that was very marginal yeah. and actually that poor lad he played so well hadn't he I mean he was devastated when that penalty was given yeah I mean uh, do you know the th to be, I, I'm bearing in mind, I know that I'm saying this as a Saracens fan, and it's so therefore it's a bit much. But seven of the starting 15 for sale were South African. That, is that a good thing for Premiership rugby? I tell you, is that a good thing for South African rugby? Yeah, no, no, no. I, 
I had a feeling you would probably bring this up. And uh, to be fair, I'm glad you did actually. I know, but no, 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 no. Because look, the Premiership Cup. All right, you, you can argue the fact that initially it's obviously done for the younger players, wasn't it, and to bring players through. But obviously, understandably, times are different. And of course, once you start getting to a semi-final and a final, you know that eventually the big guns are going to come. Are going to come out, understandably. So yeah, true. But yeah, I, I, I do take your point. And, and to be fair, I, I do tend to agree with you at the end of the day. You know, uh, not that I've got anything against quality South African players. No, far from it. But you're right. I, I think it, you should have had more uh, uh, British players there. Joe, would you agree with that or disagree? <laughs> it, it's a funny one, isn't it? Because you're in the mindset of if, if they kind of, I'm, I'm sure like a few of them are probably EPQ somewhere along the lines, which is probably why they can do it. Mm. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I think you want you want your players playing in English competitions. You want the teams to be predominantly English. Um, what was what was interesting during like lockdown when we saw all these kind of restructurings of salary caps and this, that, and the other was that Sale released a lot of their academy players. So they they've kind of gone for that. We'd rather be competitive using using these players we brought in from abroad, whereas other teams have maybe cut a few of the, few of the foreign players. And that, that's kind of the, the predicament that Sale have found themselves in. Um, but I mean, I, obviously, I, I'd like to mention someone. I thought Curtis Langdon, the hooker, I thought he was, he was brilliant uh, last night. Um, yeah, someone, someone I interviewed um, for Sale early in the season, and he's kind of come on and he's, he's obviously come from Irish, but he played brilliantly last night. But... In terms of South African players, yeah, you want you kind of want us to move towards that French kind of GIF quota system where, you know, at least two thirds you start a lineup are English or, or local local produced talent. Very much so, very much so. Right, that's where we're going to leave Europe at the moment. Um, we're going to move on to not the Gallagher Premiership. Not mention Bristol before oh. we move on. <laughs> Sorry, Debbie. <laughs> and we not mention Bristol before we move on. We can mention Bristol. Yes, go on then. Go for it. Um, Wow, what what a performance! No, it was a great performance. Incredible, yeah. wasn't it? Uh, so, I mean, that's they're currently sitting fifth in the Premiership. So, let's hope they can take that into the Premiership. But that was just a fan. What a fantastic way to start a European weekend off! It was, and and I just want to quickly touch on a point you made earlier. Ben O's been outstanding, hasn't he? To be it, well, he's a wonderful player. He's yeah. been absolutely outstanding. So yeah. there you go. And no, you're right. I do 100% agree with you. Wonderful, wonderful win for Bristol. Uh, you know, we talked a couple of weeks ago about Bristol and the success, how well they've come and they've moved on and, and, and they are performing to the highest level. It has to be said as well, quite rightly so. And let's hope they can progress further as well. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah talking about Bristol, Gallagher Premiership. Okay, well, we've got, I was going to say a couple of games to go because we, we have actually had a game uh, earlier today. Bath against Gloucester. Um, I know, Joe, you were sort of following this game quite intensely, understandably so. I tell you what, well, Bath are just on such a roll at the moment, aren't they? They really are. And it has to be said, uh, what, a, what a performance from them. 17 points down, four tries in the last 20 minutes. Have they nailed that top four spot yet, do you, do you feel? Well, it's a good question because we've seen Bath teams recently, in the last five years in particular, we've seen Bath, Bath teams kind of flounder at a certain point. What, with two, with one more game to go for them? Yeah, I think they've done it, to be honest. Um, I think 
Stuart Hooper and Neil Hatley have created a real kind of they've created an environment where it feels like anyone can pull on a shirt and you'd be quite happy with their performances. Um, Tom Dunn, again, brilliant, probably should be England's hooker at some stage, at least back up to Jamie George. Um, and they've just got a great pack. I think the pack's the, the thing that really stands them apart. Um, like Ben Urbano's come back into form. He was saying during lockdown, he was, um, he was having to get himself a bit leaner during, during lockdown. Luckily his brother's a PT or he's got a, a degree in, um, in anatomy or something like that. So Suwe's been uh, been sorting him out with all that, and they just got a great. It's a great pack. It's uh, I think that's you, you talk about in rugby. It's still it's still applicable in the modern age. It's you still you don't do anything unless you haven't got a great full pack. Debbie, any thoughts on that? No, I mean they're sitting second now, aren't they? They've yeah, swapped right. places. Yeah. They've yeah. swapped places with wasps. Um, I mean, wasps seem to be on fire as well at the moment I mean and I know we've got a little bit of an issue where you've got a mismatch in the levels of the teams so I'm pretty certain that Wasps 59 Bristol 35 wasn't necessarily an indication of where those two teams are um it's going to be interesting to see whether they they overtake them obviously second spot is key isn't it not, not that being at home is necessarily an advantage anymore no no you're right Wonderful point. Obviously, in previous seasons, the answer is yes, it was imperative, wasn't it, to get that home. Yeah. But like you said, at the moment, the results are not working out that way anyhow. So it probably isn't, actually. Yeah. So it might yeah. be interesting, <laughs> come the final match, might if, if certain yeah. sides are thinking, no, no, we don't want to finish second. No, if we sort of, you know, get the right formula, yeah, that's good. Let's finish third or fourth. We'll take that. Oh, no, they won't want that. I don't think any of them will want to finish fourth. <laughs> no, that's Yeah, but it's only Exeter, <laughs> I don't think there's any only Exeter anymore, do you? That's one European <laughs> champions, Exeter. Yeah, what, what they've done, what they, if we're honest, what they have done is incredible, really. Mm. Incredible. Absolutely, but absolutely. They have to remain big favourites for that, really. Very, very much so. We'll, we'll probably talk about that in greater detail in another podcast. Guys, we've got a few minutes left. Um, mm-hmm. Today has obviously been an eventful day in the world of not just sport, but news in general, obviously. Now, there's talk at the moment, and I'm not just talking rugby, I'm talking all sport at the moment, coming through, obviously, with the fact that there could be a situation where rugby in particular as well, remember, where you're not going to see crowds for potentially up to six months. Financially wise, this is going to crucify clubs, isn't it? Joe, let's quickly just take your views on it. Well, yeah, I think, you know, we look at, obviously we'll look at, uh, we'll, we'll, I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll let Debbie talk about the Premiership because I, I do a lot with, with the National Clubs Association, which is like levels three and four of English rugby. Uh, and, I, and, I, and I'm associated with, with a club that, that's quite close to me. Um, and, you know, you, you see these kind of National League clubs in particular, they always have their, I mean, obviously Saracens play at, you know, Woolhams, which is old Albanians home. And and I've been there. I've been there for press days for Saracens. And I stayed in the evening to do to do press stuff with with OAs. And you you become so aware of, of how these clubs function as kind of social social hubs of the community. Um, so I live in a in a place that no one will know. A place called Stafford, uh, which is uh, middle of the M6. We can just call it that. <laughs> and um, we just we, I mean it's a club I used to play for, but they just redeveloped their um, their facilities about multi million pound redevelopment they've opened and then four months after opening lockdowns come and 
you know, you've got, you've got to pay all these bills. You've got staff actually who you're employing to, to run the place and you've got to put them on furlough. And yeah, it's crippling. It's crippling for clubs and they're not going to get people in to, to buy drinks. And what's really the reward of playing, playing games whilst paying your subs if there's going to be no one there and the club's actually not going to benefit from it? Mm-hmm. Debbie, obviously you, you can now go with it for a premiership side, but remember next season Saracens won't be a premiership side, they'll be a championship well, side. So you've obviously got to look at it in two angles, haven't you? How could I possibly forget that fact? <laughs> so my, my understanding is that the championship, I believe, are not keen on starting without crowds because yeah. they'll, they'll have the same issue. You know, there's no TV money. Um, so that that could pose particular problems for Saracens in their quest to return. You know, I, I'm again, I'm not going to presume that they're going to go and beat everybody. I'm not. But should should they be in the position where they're promoted, we might then have seasons that are completely out of sync. Yeah. You know, and and what? So we're at risk of Sar- who at Saracens or a another win that championship, but the Premiership started two or three months before. Hmm. That's that's going to pose some big questions for the powers that be, I think. Uh, and that, you know, I think it would be crippling for Saracens to be down for another year. I think for the other Premiership clubs, I think people will be buying their season tickets. Um, I'm expecting, I mean, we're not, Saracens are not going to be Premiership, but I'll be expecting to buy a season ticket hmm. soon. So that cash flow will be there. Um, you what your sponsors will be there because you've still got and you've got the TV money, so I, I I don't know that many of them will be shipping their sponsors because they're still going to feature on the television, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. So I, and yet of course their costs are so much higher. It's going to be tough for everybody. It's going to be tough for everybody, and the RFU, you know, then we yes we've got this eight nations thing coming, but that's going to be an eight nations with empty stadiums, is it? Yep. Yeah, almost certainly. So that, so yeah, there's going to be no money. There's there going to be no revenue coming through there, is it? No, you think you think about the money that eighty-two thousand people worth of Twickenham brings. Ten million you know, a game. Yeah, 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 that's a heck of a lot of money to to and you know and they pay. I mean, England players earn about twenty-two thousand a game, don't they? I believe. Yeah, around, they've, they've recently just renegotiated it. Yeah, seventeen grand now. Uh, 17 so it's still gone. a lot <laughs> it's, it's really sometimes i can't get out of bed in the mornings i'm trying to <laughs> <laughs> my knees are done my, already my excuses then for not going out of bed <laughs> oh, brilliant brilliant Joe, thank you so much for your time just a quick mention once again you can catch joe on talking rugby union He's also on Twitter. You're on Twitter as well, aren't you, Joe? Yeah, Twitter's um, at Joe Harvey 34 And yeah, thank you very much for having me on. It was an unexpected delight to be asked and I've really enjoyed it. No, it's been an absolute pleasure. Debbie, you can catch Debbie all over the world, literally, um, speaking to everybody. Uh, and also you're on Twitter. <laughs> as well. Yeah, aren't you, Debbie? You're on Twitter as well, which is? Yes, uh, it's Deb's K-N-I-G on Twitter. Brilliant. Joe Harvey, Debbie Knight, absolute pleasure as always. This has been the Big Kickoff Rugby Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I've been Peter Moore. Uh, we will be back again in a couple of weeks' time. We can talk more about uh, hopefully a Saracens Exeter final and 
whatever. There's bound to be so many more rugby stories and issues, etc., to talk about as well. Guys, thank you so much for your time. Thanks very much for listening, everybody, and take care. Bye-bye.